Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, we're off to a good start today with some good worship and celebrating communion together. And in addition to that, today is Mission Sunday, which we do a couple of times a year here at Meadowbrook to draw attention to missionaries and what God is doing in different places around the world. And so today we are very excited to have Paul and Marcy Cooper here. Uh, some of you may know them. Marcy has family connections here to, at Meadowbrook. But uh, Paul and Marcy are in Dominican Republic with their family right now. And after the service outside the doors here, there is a table set up with some more information and different things if you want to go uh, and get a little more information after the service. But they have been down there for 15 years. They are teachers by background, but they have been partnering with Kids Alive International, which is a ministry all over the world that works with orphans and supports kids in different ways, kids and teenagers. And so they've been working at a local high school in the Dominican Republic for the last little while and have been spending their time serving there. And they are going to share a little bit about what God's been up to in their lives and in their ministries. So would you please join me in welcoming Paul and Marcy Cooper as they come. Thank you so much for having us uh, share with you uh, this morning. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, our goal for this morning is, first of all, to give God the um, glory that he deserves, but also allow you to get to know us a little bit and uh, see what we're doing, a little window into our uh, mission in the Dominican Republic. So. Um, thank you once again. So I'm just going to briefly introduce our family to you. Um, I'm Marcy, as I mentioned, and Paul. Um, we have four kids. Malia, our oldest, is 15 and in high school, um, so she was not able to come with us. We have two boys with us who are almost 9 and 11, and then Amaya, who is our little uh, Chinese sweetheart who just turned three. Very good. So we work in the Dominican Republic. Uh, with Kids Alive International. Kids Alive International is um, uh, an organization that is uh, dedicated to rescuing at-risk kids. It's uh, like the tagline says, Christian care for children at risk. And uh, Kids Alive is currently working in 12 different countries and in the Dominican Republic has 10 different sites um, and there's two types of models that they are involved with. Uh, some sites are residential care. They are um, orphanages, what we would kind of know them as, but not um, an institutional orphanage, but rather small homes housed by Christian parents that take in um, kids that are either placed there or, or recommended for their care. And the other model is a school model, and that's the one that we are involved in. We are um, at, a, at a school, I point up here? Okay, good. <laughs> um, we're at a school that is called ANIHA. And ANIHA is an, an acronym for Helping the Children of Harabacoa in Spanish. Right now, currently, there are 375 kids, roughly. And uh, it's an elementary school from JK through uh, ninth grade, grade nine. Um, their school structure is under a reformation. And middle school runs from seven, eight, and nine and we've incorporated into our school. And the presentation that we have really this morning is uh, based off of a staff training that we did at the beginning of the school year. Uh, for the better part of 10 years, I've been the principal there, and my job during the staff in-service training was to cast the vision and mission, 
keep us on the singular focus of uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and discipling our kids and then challenging them with the word. So we hope to do the same uh, for you this morning as we did during that week-long presentation, but we won't keep you here for a week. <laughs> um, what I usually do it to remind the staff of the vision and mission is uh, bring a picture that we have hung in our, in our main office. And this is a picture that was taken roughly uh, 1989 of a group of kids that uh, began on the site in Harabacoa, which is the mountain town in the Dominican Republic where we're situated. And the picture represents in, in what we're really all about. There was a group of kids, really needy kids, that uh, some missionaries saw in the neighborhood and gathered together and began to work with, began to preach them the gospel, began to give them food and clothing and, and really pour into their lives. And the interesting thing about this picture is that, I don't know if this has a little pointer. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, there. <laughs> that little girl right there, uh, her name is Alida. And the really neat thing about that is through the ministry of uh, Kids Alive, and at this time, Aniha, um, she became a Christian. She dedicated her life to the Lord, and currently, she's the administrative director of the site. It's a real, it's a joy. It's neat to see how God works. But now she gives back to her own community. She is the, she is over all of the support staff. She, she runs, uh, she oversees the, the payments. She oversees the food program, the maintenance. The, she just really, and she disciples the girls. She's really, uh, she loves soccer and she's involved in that ministry. And she really pours into the little girls uh, at our site. And so it's really neat to see how a life transformed by the gospel um, is making an impact in that community. So that's the vision and mission that we have. Uh, I should just show you that the one right beside her, she's also our fifth grade teacher. So it does it, it's not just limited to our leadership. It's also, I counted 17 different students, or former students, that are now working on staff out of our 60 plus staff members. So, Obviously, we're a school now. Uh, didn't start out that way, but over time has grown into a, a school like Paul mentioned. And so kids are drawn to the school because uh, it provides a quality education for them. Their parents see that as a great opportunity to have a private education in a country that's rated the lowest education in all of Latin America. And so they want to get this education for their kids. Normally, they would not be able to afford it, but we're trying to reach kids who come from at-risk backgrounds, whether that be from difficult family situations, from poverty, from um, the kids who are uh, bused in from the residential homes that we have. Um, and so it's a great opportunity for us, though, because a lot of the kids don't come from uh, evangelical backgrounds. There's a lot of Catholicism but a lot of people thinking they can just work and earn their salvation. And so we have an opportunity on a day in and day out basis uh, through having a school that um, parents want their kids to go to, to evangelize the kids, to disciple them, and to reach out to them um, in many different ways. Kids Alive focuses on holistic care. So we have uh, academic care for them. We have um, a meal program where uh, the kids are getting a hot meal at lunch, they're getting snacks at school, and um, we're also serving over uh, 400 people altogether by the time we feed our staff, our students, and then our older kids who go off to a different high school, 
Um, we provide food for them still too. There's the cooks in the kitchen. Um, and we have, like, from the cooks in the kitchen, obviously the teachers we want to be Christians, the doormen, whoever you meet when you uh, come on campus, uh, we want to make sure that the kids are uh, greeted by Christian people and that all those people can have an impact on their life. Another way that we provide for the kids holistically, not only is the food program and their academics, but we also have a sports program, and we're pretty proud of the fact that uh, although Dominican is known for baseball, in our area, soccer rules. And so the, the girls actually won a championship this past year. They are the Malta Morena champions. Uh, Malta Morena is an awful drink. Don't. <laughs> that they love. Probably not the, the, the promotion that they're looking for, but uh, uh, don't drink it. Uh, but the girls, they, they won the national champion. I think they're 11, 12 year old girls, and they, uh, they we have after school, like I said, like Marcy was saying, our coaches are trying to instill a Christian worldview, disciple them, uh, hard work equals good rewards, uh, sportsmanship, living, thinking of your neighbor as yourself, trying to instill Christian principles in every aspect of um, our daily program. We also have medical care uh, to a certain degree. We have a school nurse. We have a dental clinic on site where we have teams come in and provide dental care for them. Uh, we do delicing from time to time because it's very needed. Um, Anti-parasites, uh, first aid, that kind of thing. If there's something more major and the families can't afford it, um, sometimes we try and find help for those kind of situations as well. And then uh, we also have a spiritual focus, and this is a program that I'm really excited about. Um, I worked for a couple years in the school library um, and love to see kids reading, but especially reading the Bible. And over some time and donations, we've been able to get age-appropriate Bibles for all the kids in the school. And so every morning they start off with a Bible time where they're learning to make that a daily habit because that's not something that they would do in their homes. And so this picture is actually of a day just, was that just last week? That was Bible day. And the kids, um, the older kids put on presentations of what they had learned about the Bible for the younger kids. And they also had a parade where they uh, marched around town. It's, uh, the Dominican Republic is really unique. It's the only uh, country in the world with a Bible on its flag. Uh, like Marcy said, it's a Catholic country. Um, so uh, as a school, we have a tremendous liberty to preach the gospel and to bring uh, to light what the word of God says. Uh, we differ in our doctrine, but we are encouraged, and it's part of the state-mandated curriculum, to be teaching the Word of God. So we're in a very unique uh, situation, um, like Marcy said, providing uh, an ed a quality education that's really reserved for uh, rich kids, uh, opposed to the public school system, which is deteriorating there. They're in reform, so it is getting better, but they're characterized by overcrowded um, classrooms and non-qualified teachers and things like that. So it's, it's really an interesting thing to see. The whole month across the country uh, of September is Bible month. And so we put up trivia questions around on the different uh, walls of the school. The kids learn the trivia questions and during our um, morning announcements, uh, the school day starts a little bit different there. Everyone lines up on the, f on the soccer field and we do our national anthem and announcements from there, but we could also ask them and emphasize uh, local church attendance, uh, Bible knowledge, and just celebrate uh, the Word of God in our life. And the parade, we took to the streets. The kids made signs, they took their Bibles, they marched around the block, um, proclaiming God's Word to the, 
to the um, little town that we're in. So these are some of our pictures from uh, photo day. And so kids start in JK. Uh, we have a sponsorship program and an application program. We often have over 200 applicants for about 30 spots in JK. And so we just prayerfully uh, make, well, not me, but the Dominican staff will go and visit the homes and visit the kids and uh, try to uh, decide which kids will get into the program. And then um, some come in from our uh, children's homes as well. And then if they meet certain criteria, they keep good grades, they um, make their payments. Make their pay they have a small payment that they have to make uh, to uh, stay in the program, and they can be sponsored all the way through high or through university. And that a few years ago, they said only four percent of the population would graduate from university. So it's very rare to graduate from university, and we have students that are um, being helped to do that and and totally changing their lives and their families. So it's really neat. Um, they also say our students are four times more likely to graduate from high school and five times more likely to join an evangelical church um, than the normal Dominican population. As I mentioned before, for the better part of 10 years, I was involved as the, uh, the principal of the school. Um, and through some different circumstances and some self-reflection and thinking and praying, uh, I just came to the conclusion that I really miss being with the kids. I entered the teaching profession. Uh, Marcy and I both worked in Toronto for seven years before uh, joining with Kids Alive. And thinking back to the days of my, my teaching career, uh, what brought me so much joy was the interaction and the discipleship and the, the communication with the kids. So last year I was involved in both and I, I did uh, I dedicated, I think, three days to teaching and two to administration. And the, the, the four people that I mainly worked with in administration were left carrying a, a bigger load than what is um, fair. So at the end of that year, uh, we realized that a decision had to be made. And so I decided to move towards uh, working as the PE teacher. Uh, that's what I was trained for. I went to the University of Windsor and uh, I, I'm qualified to teach uh, phys ed and science here in Ontario, and, uh, and decided that, that I would move into that direction. I felt that the Lord was leading me that way. Um, this year, we are blessed to have another missionary that could step into my role. She's so gifted in administration, and I'm still involved. I didn't want to completely remove myself. I felt that uh, I still like to have my foot in the door in case things change in the future, or if I see things that I might not like, I can still have some input. And so Anne uh, Vandermolen, she graciously uh, took over the leadership. She's now the principal of the school, and I'm focused, one of my roles uh, is focused on teaching PE, where it gives me a great chance to meet the kids and have some fun playing the different sports. One thing that has been tough is that we have one small field and uh, for scheduling purposes, we have to have different uh, phys ed classes on at the same time. There's another phys ed teacher there as well. So we are sharing this small little space, but we are excited because up above, there's a new construction going on. This new construction uh, is a new um, cafeteria and a new kitchen. Whoops. Uh, where was my button? There. This part back here will be the new cafeteria, and up here is the kitchen, and then I'm excited because up top here, we're going to fence it in and roof it, and it will be a volleyball basketball court. 
And so we'll have one phys ed class up above and one phys ed class down below, and we'll be able to give them a variety, wide variety of sports. So we're excited about that construction. Uh, like I mentioned, another, hmm, another role that I am currently involved in is laying the groundwork to fill that gap of 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Uh, right now, like Marcy said, they have the opportunity to go off to university, and obviously we're not, Kids Alive won't run its own university. But right now we're outsourcing our high school students to a local private school. We pay for their education, and they come to our club. We still provide them food, and we have Christian counseling that is available to them as they go through that. But it's a special time of their life where different stresses and strains on relationships and temptations and different... Uh, it's the moment of truth for the Christian walk, and, uh, and in some ways, we feel that we are stepping back from them and throwing them to the lions, and we'd like to remedy that. So one thing that we're looking at is trying to figure out if it's possible to offer them uh, that last bit of, of, of schooling before they head off to university. So that's Paul's role. My role is more focusing on these little guys that you see on the screen here. Our older three are at a bilingual school now, um, but our youngest was adopted from China two years ago. We're actually back to do an update also right now, um, a post-adoption update for her. And so uh, she's just needed a lot of care and time to attach and that kind of thing. So I have been home with her. And then, next one, I also do a lot of the communications that we have, so writing prayer letters, sending out prayer cards, and updating our Facebook page, and that kind of thing. So some of that information is on the table if you are interested in learning more, or grabbing a prayer card, or signing up for our list to be um, receive our prayer letters. Um, on, most of them are online, but I can send them out a hard copy as well. And just another note there that says Multi-Nation Missions Foundation. Kids Alive is an American organization, and so uh, we're switching partnerships in Canada right now, but our new partner is called Multi-Nation Missions Foundation, and so they really focus on supporting missionaries from Canada, and so uh, we're excited about that partnership to have. We'll be technically employed by them uh, starting in January, or maybe now already, they're, they're just starting to set that up for us, so our funding will, will now go through them in Canada. Thank you. So that's a little window into uh, where we work, who we are, uh, the mission that we work with. And like I mentioned before, the beginning of the school year, I'm tasked with uh, casting the vision and mission, trying to keep everybody on board, and then challenging our staff with the Word of God. And so I brought them uh, this past year the most inspiring message that I could possibly bring. I told them that at the end of the year, all of the works are going to be burned up and judged by God. <laughs> and uh, they were a little um, slow to realize that that's an encouraging message. But it really is. It is an encouraging message. Uh, what I was, my point was with, uh, um, with the staff was that we need to make sure that we are focused on the right things and that we are using the gifts that God's given us um, in a way that's honoring and pleasing Him and check our motives. And um, at the end of the day, um, there's a reward. And so that was the message. We don't do this for our paycheck. We don't do this uh, for any number of different reasons that it could be. But let's be, let's be good stewards 
of the kids that God has placed, and this is was our context. Um, I don't know your context, but you'll be able to think as we go through this passage uh, where God has placed you, with what gifts God has placed you, and what motives you have as you use them. And ours was in the school classroom, God has given us buildings, land, kids, a school year. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to be responsible with the gifts and the challenges that God has laid before us? And how can we be um, pleasing in his sight at the end of the year? Um, so that was my, that was my um, challenge to them, and that will be hopefully the challenge that we can take a look at this morning. So I would ask you in, uh, to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, and we'll take a look at the passage that I drew that message out from. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll be reading the first 15 verses. It says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Before we take a look at it, let's just take a moment and ask God's blessing on this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this church and its impact in the community. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to uh, suffer and die on the cross and take our punishment uh, for the sins that we've committed. And we thank you that he conquered death and he rose from the grave. We know that the gospel message, and the, uh, that your word has power and it has the power to transform lives. And we thank you that we can be a small part in your great ministry and your great work. We ask that you bless our time this morning as we... Um, take a look at what Paul was writing in his letter. I ask that you help us to reflect on ourselves and think how we can be good stewards of the mysteries and the talents and, and the gifts that you've given us, how we can make an impact and how we can be used by you so that one day you will look at us and say, come forward, my good and faithful servant. I ask that your name be praised, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing that I'll mention about this passage is that uh, Paul was talking to a group at Corinth, and he was addressing the divisions in the church. It looks like the problem was jealousy. It looks like they were aligning themselves with different people, uh, some people that had evangelized, some people that had discipled, some people who had baptized. 
And it was sort of a jockeying for position. And Paul was addressing this situation, saying in God's, in God's field and in God's building, there's no jockeying for position. Each person has a role. Each person has a gift. Each person has a talent that they need to use for God's glory. And no one is better than the other. We just want to be found faithful. The first example that we see is uh, the example of a field. And I know uh, here is um, known for tomatoes. I've driven by the big tomato. I used to deliver Hostess Frito-Lay chips in this area. And so I got to know the corner stores in this area. And uh, we know how the fields work. We know that uh, you, you till the soil, you plant the seed, you water the seed, and then the time comes for harvest. And there's a work to be done, and people have different parts of that job to do. Um, and it isn't, it isn't us to decide uh, what, we're, what we're going to do. It's the owner of the field that assigns the task. And so that's an interesting thing. It's, it's God himself who assigns the task. And verses, this is coming from verses 5 to 9. And it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Um, God is assigning the tasks. And in this case, it looks, when he mentions those two things, um, I planted, Apollos watered. It seems to me that you could draw the conclusion that uh, one would be to evangelize the planting, and then the watering would be the discipleship. So um, that's how, that's, I think you can safely make that connection, that both things are important, and both things are needed, and God has assigned us this task to do. The comforting thing about this whole thing is that it is neither the planter's nor the waterer's job to make the growth happen. We, it's a mystery. We don't understand how that happens. We cannot reproduce that. That is something that's left to God himself. And that should be comforting. Sometimes we think, oh, there's no results. What's going on? We can't. And I like the way that Paul Tripp says it. He says, let me let you in on a little secret. You will not change the child in your classroom's life. You are not the fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> and it just brings it back to the fact that that's a comforting thing. We are just to be found faithful doing what we do. We sow, we disciple, but it's in God's hands, the growth. That's a mystery that we don't understand. The gospel and his word has power. That little kernel, that little seed that's put in the ground has power in it, and it can grow and turn into the, the mustard uh, tree or, or the grain of wheat or whatever it is. But we need to plant it, and we need to water it for it to happen. Um, the, another th the, the other thing to see from these first couple verses, from verses 5 to 9, is that he who plants and he who waters are one. We're all doing this together. But each will receive his wages according to his labor. So that's an exciting part, too. If we are responsible and we do our jobs, it's not slavery with no reward, no joy, no, no fulfillment at the end of the process. We are invited to be a part of God's field with the promise of rewards at the end. Part of the reward is just seeing the harvest. Um, I've got some orchids, and I'm notorious for killing them. <laughs> I buy them flowered, and they're beautiful, and they decorate our home. And 
over six months, they dry up, they deteriorate, the leaves fall off, and then they die. <laughs> but I have been able to keep this one going. It hasn't flowered yet, but I've been trying to monitor the water, trying to keep it. I've read, uh, I've done all this investigation, and my reward will be when it one day flowers. I'll have to send that in an update letter. <laughs> but the harvest can be a reward. So at the very end of this presentation, we want to share a video um, that will be an encouragement because it shows uh, a girl whose life was impacted and became part of the harvest. It wasn't I who watered, it wasn't us who, who discipled, but we're here to celebrate with her and see how God transformed her life. And we hope to use that little video at the end to show you that just being part of the labor and seeing the harvest is the reward. But beyond that, there's rewards for the actual work that we do. Not just seeing the harvest that God's doing, but actually being rewarded and receiving from God His, um, His uh, commendation and having Him uh, give you encouraging words. And we see that happening in, in verses um, 10 to 15. So the first section that we looked at, verse 5 to 9, points out that we, have, we have all have different tasks and we, we need to be responsible to the task and, and think about what God has given us, what talents we have, and how to use it. The second example that he draws out is a building. And he says that the foundation is Jesus Christ. We see that in verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what is of utmost importance. We have to make sure that we're building on Jesus Christ. If we're doing something else, if we are trying to disciple our kids with the end goal of creating doctors and lawyers and businessmen, those things are good, but if they gather the whole world and lose their soul, what have they gained? So we need to make sure that we are laying what we do on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's His redeeming work on the cross that has eternal hope for the kids that we work with. So that's or foundational, <laughs> the foundation of Jesus Christ. Secondly, that our works will be tested by fire. And although this sounds scary, uh, this is actually an award ceremony. It's not judgment to determine your final destination. Uh, this letter was written to God's people. These people were already determined to enter into heaven. And so this is the beginning of God's award ceremony. For those of you involved in sports, you know you go to the award ceremony and it's nice. I received the trophy for MVP. I received the most improved player. It's something that's joyous and, uh, and we can look forward to. And we see that people will build with different material. Some will choose gold. Some will choose silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. And each one is building. And first of all, Whatever is built on the foundation is what matters. If it's off the foundation, it will just be burned up automatically. But if it's built on the foundation and it forms part of the, the building of Jesus Christ, then even those um, works will be tested. It's interesting because I was thinking, hmm, it sounds like these people are building on the right foundation. So maybe they have the right tasks maybe on the right foundation, but how could it be that they would still burn up? So I asked myself that question and I thought, well, on what basis is God judging these works? 
And the answer is just found uh, a little further on in chapter 4, uh, verses 3 and 4, or verses 3 to 5. And it says this, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not there, uh, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Right there. Then each one will receive his commendation from, the God, from God. God will judge it and will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. This is where things get tricky. We can sing praises to God. We can witness to people. We can uh, do any number of things that outwardly people would go, oh, very good. But the purpose of the heart, is it because I want to be lifted up? Is it because I am egotistical and selfish and want man's approval? Or is it really a pure motive? I want God to receive the total honor and glory that he receives. This one's hard. We could do the right things. We could be laying on the right foundation. But what's the motivation of the heart? That's the, that's the key. And that's what will be revealed on the day when God is getting ready to reward us. And so these works will be burned up. And what a joy it will be if we see things left on the altar. We see gold, silver, diamonds, uh, rubies, whatever whatever has value, whatever was done on the right foundation, using my talents, being found faithful with a pure motive will be left. And then God will look at that and reward us with it. And that, there's no thing greater than that. And that is something that each one of us can look forward to and each one of us can take joy in and each one of us can um, participate in. And I think that this has something to do with the crowns that are mentioned in the Bible. We will be rewarded crowns and we'll be able to cast them at his feet and we'll be able to uh, celebrate in this award ceremony. Um, we know that uh, these works have nothing to do with our salvation. You can see that as he continues on in verse uh, 15 back in chapter 3. He says, uh, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And then he goes right on in verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. He's talking to a group of believers. And I decided that I would address this now because people, uh, it's a common misconception that you think it's a big balancing act. My good works outweigh my bad works and God will judge them at the end and decide, yes, your good outweighs your bad. That's not the way it works. And that's how we see this here, because it says that salvation is not dependent on our works. These works have nothing to do with salvation. Our salvation comes because of Christ's work on the cross and our faith in it. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we clearly see that in other parts of Scripture that God's wrath on sin was totally and fully paid for by Christ's death on the cross. There's nothing that we can do to add to that or take away from it. We simply place our faith and trust in His work on the cross and His resurrection, 
And when we stand before God, we say, we are sinners, but your son paid for me. And so as we think about our tasks, as we think about our um, foundation, as we think about our motives, we realize that our salvation doesn't have anything to do with that, but it will be a wonderful day when we can stand before God and have our works tested and then something left over. Hopefully something will be there left to show him and he will reward us for that. And I know that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things he's prepared for us and the rewards. We have no idea. Uh, the most minimal thing left will mean big rewards. That's just how God works. So um, as we conclude, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 2, sort of sum it up. It says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That's our hope and prayer. And that's what our challenge was to the teachers at the beginning of the school year. Will we be found faithful, building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? And will we be having something of substance to show at the end of this school year? And I thought those words were encouraging to them, and hopefully they're encouraging to you this morning. Like I said, we'll conclude with a video um, that we will be able to celebrate together uh, glimpses of a harvest that God has allowed us to view at, um, at this point in history. Mi nombre es Rosania Tengo, yo tengo 29 años de edad. Yo entré aquí en Anija cuando tenía 5 o 6 años, en primer grado. Este, Anija era pequeña en ese tiempo, entonces de, de hasta quinto grado yo estuve asistiendo aquí. Luego yo tenía que ir a la escuela pública, fue un tiempo muy difícil. De, después del mediodía yo, yo, yo regresaba aquí hasta las 3 de la tarde, a sala de tarea, comida, estudios bíblicos, entre otras cosas. Este, yo terminé bachillerato también aquí en Vida para Niños, me gradué de cuarto bachiller. Uh, pude aprender de Jesús, pude aprender a amar a los demás. Este, pusieron deseo en mí para estudiar y poder seguir los estudios. Ahora estoy eh, estudiando en la universidad con un, con un plan de becas que hay para los niños de Anija también, terminando psicología y ahora trabajo también en, en el área de trabajo social en director de trabajo social en Anija. Pensar en mi vida sin Anija eh, me da miedo, la verdad, porque yo sé que sin mi vida, mi vida sin Anija había sido un caos, porque normalmente este, una joven se casa a los 15 años, llega quizá, quizás a octavo grado, quizás este, no puede tener una familia estable. Yo estoy terminando ya psicología, yo tengo un trabajo el cual yo amo, yo tengo una familia de la cual me siento feliz y orgullosa. Y yo sé que si no fuera por la gracia del Señor y por vida para niños, mi vida no sería esa, mi vida sería otra muy, muy diferente. Aquí es muy difícil ir a una universidad, entonces recibir un apoyo para, para asistir a un lugar como ese es, es un privilegio, es una bendición, porque el, hay un, un gran por ciento de, de jóvenes que aunque tengan el deseo de hacerlo, por la dificultad del dinero y, la, y los viajes y esas cosas, no pueden hacerlo. Este, si yo soy lo que soy hoy en día, es gracias al Señor por su misericordia y amor hacia mí y también al apoyo que Vida para Niños me da a través de la beca universitaria para los niños de Vida para Niños. 
Yo soy bendecida con mi trabajo, yo amo lo que hago, este, porque es dar un poquito de lo mucho que yo pude recibir. Es tan bueno ver niños llegando a, a mi oficina con problemas de, de amor, con problemas de comida o necesidades y poder dar un chin de lo que por gracia yo he recibido. Me encanta cuando llega una familia con un problema y saber que juntos podemos resolver y poder ver la alegría y también poder ver el crecimiento en ellos después de un largo trabajo y ver los resultados que a través de Jesús podemos ver en ellos. ¿Qué tú quieres hacer cuando se grande otra vez? Doctora. Doctora, ¿para qué? Pues yo quiero graduarme de psicóloga familiar para hacer un mejor trabajo y para poder dar lo que por gracia he recibido y poder transformar vida así como Jesús transformó la mía a través de su amor y su gracia.